Degenerate Business School is brought to you by a hundred years of physical retail, cathedrals of jeans and khakis, appliances, books, and random things. And now their watch is ended. I look at the options market for the following Friday. So last Friday it was calling for downside this week. Uh, today it's calling for actually the money is pretty even on the SPY, but it's pretty heavily bullish on the triple Qs and uh, I want to say yeah, I want to say that Russell is is bullish as well. Yeah, that's ridiculous. But- Get the fuck out. Come on! <laughs> again, again. That, that's just what that's just what the options market like. That's where the money is. Uh, you know, I'm not like looking into the future or anything, but yeah, the options activity is even on the SPY and bullish on the triple Qs. I figure people want to protect their shit for Memorial Day weekend, so I think like that's why like I you know you think that it's going to be either a down day that Friday before Memorial Day, you know. Because so, of the harvest effect. Yeah, yeah, that too. Plus, you know, three-day weekend, a lot of shit can happen over the weekend. You'd figure you're better off, you know, hedging. Well, um, so did you guys see that, that Goldman basically – so Goldman said their their S&P forecast for the year, by the end of the year, was only down 2%. But then in the next three months, it's going to bottom out at 2400 and they cited the the knock-on effect of the rally is driven by FOMO and a bunch of foreign capital flooding into U.S. equities. That's going to get harvested in the next three months. So I feel – so basically what I'm saying is we're as smart as Goldman Sachs, number one. And number two, at a minimum, we're, we're looking at like a 15% correction in the next three months as – negative more and more negative economic data comes in and and people who went long start to harvest what do you think of that well i hope you're right because i'm in cash but but yeah i think uh you know that that's i think because if i bought right now i know i'd get chumped so there's no way in hell i'm buying at 28 uh, whether it goes down below twenty six, yeah, you know that's that's. But yeah, like I like that news. I like that 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 um, that, that opinion. But um, definitely twenty eight is too high for me, at least. Well, okay, go ahead, Bobby. No, not good. I was gonna say anything. So I'm coming in hot this week because um, I've been reading a lot of a lot of literature over the weekend that I sent you guys about how this might be. It, this might be an, an epoch-level Great Depression. So I'm going guardrail to guardrail because I don't understand anything. But I, I'm, I'm kind of of the mind that, like, this is one of those moments in, uh, that it, like, is common in human history, which is the people who are driving this rally, or not the people, there's just, like, a collective behavior on the part of humans to be optimistic and to ignore what's happening but that 
ultimately the unemployment numbers are so devastating and the lingering effects of the pandemic will be so devastating and the actual impact to corporate earnings and demand will be like so so much worse than people expect that this could be a generational depression that the argument that we've made before which might be right too that like this is the end of financial history and like massive corrections and depressions such as we saw in the great depression aren't possible anymore but i feel like that's happened before in human history a la the titanic they said it was unsinkable world war ii they said not another european war right or francis fukuyama who said that all human government will end in liberal democracy and and they're all wrong and maybe we're wrong too so that's where i'm coming that's where i'm coming in this week is it possible is it possible that we're all wrong and, and we're all going to get crushed to death economically well i know i know uh james generally has a different opinion but i one i i view what's driving the recession as bad in and of itself, but I feel like uh, we too easily get away from the massive uh, amounts of money that's just being spent willy-nilly, and I realize, you know, rates are basically at zero, and they may very well go negative, but in the long run, that can't be good. Um, I've looked like a fool for however long I've been saying that, but I'm sticking to that, and I do think in the long run, um, yeah, the, re the repercussions of the economy are going to be awful. Well, I'm kind of with you in that. So, again, now I'm zooming. We're, we're zooming out a little bit. But I would say that if you uh, are a student of history at all, as I am, sometimes you have, like, the decline and fall of empires. It'll be something like a dynasty in ancient China or the Roman Empire, there will be like a pandemic followed by an economic crisis that destabilizes the government and leads to some sort of fiscal crisis and everything falls apart. It is conceivable that like, maybe not in the next year or two, but all of the things that you're talking about now, Robert, in, the terms, in, in terms of monetary intervention could lead to like runaway inflation in a decade. And then you end up in an economic death spiral. So I feel like you, you might be right on a five to ten year horizon is what I'm getting at. Specifically. Yeah, I'll, I'll look like a fool until then, but you know, <laughs> I can't help myself. Another, I mean, there already is inflation. Right? We're talking about there's inflation with the stuff rich people buy. Now with the stuff poor people buy, or the general masses, uh, you know, climate change is going to throw a wrench in everything. So there's definitely going to be inf uh, climate change induced inflation w within the decade. And it's clear that the world, the go world governments aren't prepared for that. Monetary policy is not prepared for that. Uh, so, so that, that, that part is coming. I think, I think then what you, then as, as far as the recession goes, like you, you see, look at the data that, that came out today, the it was 16% decline in retail sales, a lot worse than expected. And the market still went up. Um, but what's interesting is that, you know, people do have money, right? The government has given what $1,200 to everybody. And also there's unemployment benefits, but people aren't spending it. So they have money, people have money, but they're not spending it. So the interesting thing is that 
is that you know we're finding that everyone spending that twelve hundred dollars is actually saving it. They're 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 paying down their credit card debt and all that. So now you think about the behavioral impact of recessions. It's scarring, and that's what's what makes these recessions so bad. So you can't really deny these unemployment numbers because it'll take like a whole generation that will be savers. That's the same thing with the depression. All those that that grew up in the thirties, you know, have that like mindset. And I think we might be looking at whatever Gen Z has this mindset now going forward too. Well, well, that that's a great point. That's one component that just just because businesses reopen doesn't mean that behavior reopens in quotes, uh, or something that you've talked about before, which is like you're you're less inclined to go outside even if everything's reopened because you don't want to get the COVID before a vaccine exists. Um, the other piece of this, which is totally anecdotal, but I feel like is real, is so you have like the initial devastation of unemployment, which is, and James can keep us honest here, by and large, service workers or people who were in jobs that were like directly impacted by people sheltering in place. But as that impact matures and consumer spending plummets, then you'll have people who are in white collar jobs who, you know, are tethered to the consumer economy in some way, that round of layoffs is yet to, like, manifest in the unemployment numbers. And that's going to cascade in over the next one to two quarters, and that's going to leach into, like, the hardcore white-collar, like, intellectual jobs. And that's something that's, like, not even baked into the pie at this point. Yep, absolutely. I think, you know, you probably already know some people, whether they're, you know, lawyers or whether they're, um, you know, entrepreneurs, uh, hours reduced, either lays off, laid off, or you know they're just not doing anything. They're not selling anything. Anyone in, in import export, they're not doing anything. They're just yeah. sitting around. So, yeah. Or yeah, or even the most prosperous businesses that maybe they could survive this for six months can't survive it for any longer than that on takeout orders. So yeah, this week I'm saying it's the Great Depression. And I, I feel good. I feel good that SBXS is going to turn around, which is exactly what someone who's losing fifty percent would say. But that's where I am. Sorry, <laughs> motherfuckers. I'm going to hang on to this for ten years. That's how long it takes. If we need to ruin an entire generation. I'm ready. I'm hanging in there. Again, so like I, I agree with you, and that I think the market's going to go lower from here. I just I feel like there are better ways for you to play this. Uh, instead of owning something and hoping the market goes down, sell a put. Sell a put, and you're co- you're committing to buying something when it falls. Yeah, you're right. I'm not I'm not doing enough. I'm just saying like I've been at sea in terms of my confidence, and I feel like I'm now I, my perspective on everything that's happened over the last thirty to sixty days is. Whenever a crisis tends to strike, like people underestimate the impact in the near term, and it's only in like a one to two year cycle where it becomes self evident how bad something is. And I just think this is the contagion, not to use the word contagion, but the economic contagion of this event is so much worse than anyone is pricing it. Generally, whether it's the market or the economy at large. Or any how anyone understands like their employment prospects, all that stuff. Now, one of the things um, that keeps crossing my mind is 
We live in California, generally one of the more liberal states in the country, and uh, generally one of the more locked down states in the country, right? But when protests started happening down in Huntington Beach, yeah, I don't know if it was tied to that, but Gavin did a quick 180 and said, fine, we're going to start opening some things little by little, right? Um, we're seeing protests all over the country. Do you think that we're going to get to a point where cabin fever just takes over and it's like, fuck it, go, you guys want to go outside, go outside. And granted, the likes of James aren't going to go outside, but chances are someone like myself might. Well, let me give credit where credit is due. I think James has been calling this all along. I was looking at this this week, which is, if you look at the major metro areas where serious lockdown metro, uh, measures have been taken or states where it's been a little more rigorous, the case, the case, uh, recurrent or the cases are going down. And then everywhere else in the U S like places like Wisconsin, where they're basically just ignoring this and giving the middle finger to practical measures like shelter in place cases are going up. It's like the total American curve is flat, but in Trump's America, it's exploding. And in liberal America, it's not so trip. Trump is unwittingly murdering his own uh, voter base. So I know. No, I, no I, I, I get that, but at some point, do we. So the market has managed to divorce itself from economic reality. At some point, do we divorce the economic impact from the lives impact? Where, like, yes, people in Texas and Tennessee are going to die because they reopen their states too early, but. Do their economies do a little bit better because they open their states too early? Well, I would say it depends on what time horizon you're talking about. Because yep. I, I realize I didn't answer your question at first, but I, I do think we are reaching the point where people are just saying, fuck it, I'm sick of living at home no matter where they live. And the policy initiatives can just contain that impulse that people have. But until there's a, a rigorous treatment in place that exists... All it's going to lead to is a second wave, and we'll just unwind the progress we've already made, and we'll have regional differences. But if you're like in, I'm making it up, Tennessee, and you reopen now, maybe you see a, see a short-term burst, but then your caseload will go up, deaths will go up, there will be like a bigger like echo effect, and then like it'll contract again a second time. So it's really about like how sustainable you want your recovery to be. Well, I don't know what you were going to say, James. Yeah, and if, if if that does happen, or if it's just this widespread uh, opening of the economy, then you know I like I like caterpillar as the play. You know, you got to dig the trenches to put all the bodies in. <laughs> but um, you know, yeah, I, yeah. I think I think it's a uh, you know it, it remains to be seen whether where the data goes. I think I think now even in California, what we see is more of like the working class cities like looking at the data have, have the most cases so people are still getting it but they just happen to be like our essential workers unfortunately um and i guess you know the government <laughs> my mind's like no one really cares about those people unfortunately but it's uh so it's still going around and uh you know there's that trade-off so we'll see we'll see what happens um as, as but yeah that, that wisconsin data is going to be interesting i think uh if we uh maybe we should take a flight there and uh, Hit up, hit up some local bars. <laughs> <laughs> but you're, I mean, you're right. I mean, I don't even know what, like, what 
in this in the case of California, I don't know what Gavin Gavin's calculus is because they're I mean they're reopening like the the beachheads and the trails, right? So there's normalization happening. But I don't know. Yeah, I don't think it's hard to get it from being outside. Yeah. Yeah, my thinking is that eventually there's going to be a point where, to your point, everyone's just going to say, fuck it. Not everyone, but a substantial amount of people are just going to say, fuck it, where we sort of, we all know that there's likely to be a second wave come the fall, but do we really think we're going to shut down for another two months come November? Seems very unlikely. Honestly, I think it's, it's, it's a really interesting question because it's really just a question of political calculation, right? So if you're Newsom, Newsom, when is he up for re-election? Not for another three years, right? Something like that. No idea. But in California, like Newsom can basically do whatever he wants because he's not, he's not whatever he wants, but he's not up against a re-election, right? Like it seem it seems like in other states where you might have like a November election consideration, I think it'll be dictated more by that than anything else, which is not the right way to inform it. But if you're a conservative governor in a conservative state and you move to a lockdown in the fall on the eve of an election, you'll get wiped out of office. You might get wiped out of office anyway, but that's why it'll be like highly regional. Is what, I guess is what I'm, I'm saying. Yeah. You know, the, the whole thing with schools is definitely scary. I mean, I've gotten some, every sort of virus from, from my kid <laughs> up until the, this point. So that's You're just, right. they can just shut, shut that down um, if, if anything happens. I think they'll probably have to. Um, and, then, and then, yeah, that second wave that some predict might happen in, in, in you know, fall, winter time. So it makes like us maybe going in, if you're going to go in stock market in, in July, you still now now we're gonna have to be sweating that whole prospect, which is definitely in play. And the W would happen Q four. Yes. So that's one thing to kind of put put pause on if you do if we do think we're, you know, buybacking in during the summer. Yeah, and, and as dumb as it sounds, that's kind of why I've started uh, trading week to week where you know like I know certain things are inevitable. I know, you know, at some point the economic data is going to start to matter more. I know at some point the second wave is going to hit. I know there's a threat of more uh, economic lockdowns if and when that second wave comes. So by just looking week to week, one, it caps my upside, but it also caps my downside where I can just liquidate everything at any moment and wait for a little bit more clarity. Um, Right now the VIX is at mid-30s, which is still higher than I'd like it to be, but from an option... Relatively low, yeah. Yeah, relatively low. It's it's as good as it's been in a long time. Well, is, is there a play to make on the VIX? I meant to ask you this earlier in the week, but I feel confident that no matter which direction it goes in in the next three months, volatility is going to go up in the next one to three months. You just buy the, what is it, T-VIX, right? What's that? T-VIX is the play on volatility? Fentanyl. (laughs) That's uh, James's preferred... uh, Opiate? Day trading. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's why I'm, uh, you know, 
got the ball and chain now because I lost so much on TV. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to just forget about it and just, you know, get married, have kids. My chips, man. (laughs) That was after that play. And then you started hanging out with the new drug addict. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no. So, like, I'm I'm trading in and out uh, every week. And uh, at the moment, my my play is the gold miners. They did well this week. And they're projected to do well next week. So I'll reevaluate next Friday, but sticking with it. So minerals was your play of the week? Gold minerals? I bought, I bought it in last week, and yeah, it's, it's done well. Did you, sell, did you sell out of nail? Still have it. Down about 15% for the week, but uh, still holding strong. Uh, I have nail. I have uh, a call spread on Nugget. Um, <laughs> that, that's the double average gold miners. Let's uh, hold on. Let's so like, can, can we can we just like understand something? Are you is your trading st- strategy dictated by the name you can use for the thing that you bought? Almost exclusively, yeah. <laughs> I could have bought the GDX, but no, I went with Nugget. <laughs> and then today, I, I I also bought calls on. On Micron. Micron? Micron Technologies. Okay. So, like, on, on that note, um, I've been looking into biotech. Mm-hmm. Anything that has to do with gene editing, I think that's, like, the next wave of innovation. And so there's a there's a company called, with the ticker Edit. Oh, oh. that's good. So that's... <laughs> on the so name alone. looking at just... Just putting dabbling in every like biotech that has to that has to do with like mRNA or DNA or any kind of gene gene replacement therapy. Um, just buying a little bit of everything. There's, these are only like maybe like two billion dollar market cap type companies, but yeah, a lot of upside. But obviously, you're saying that Edit is the best one because of the name. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Looking into that now. <laughs> Solid chance I'll take a flyer just based on that uh-huh. rationale. Bobby, are, are you are you still just uh, sitting on the sidelines? Yeah, man. I'm I'm not I'm not. I I'm I'm in a crisis of confidence. I don't know what to do. All right, sit out next week. Uh, next week, it, options are calling for a move to the upside. Not a strong move, but a move. Which would it, like essentially just like a an order of magnitude change that we saw this week, but in the opposite direction. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the the dollars on the triple Q are three to one calls to puts. So yeah, but based on that, that's why that's why I bought Micron today. It's probably a one to two week play, and then I'll get out. All right, that's all I got, baby. The end of the world. It's back. I feel like I feel like we should start predicting some good things because we're eerily accurate, and it's it's troubling. Like I remember eighteen months ago telling people in eighteen months there's going to be a recession. <laughs> 
And six months ago, people thought I was insane. But look at me now. That's right. You'll never be right again. No, but the, the problem is I'm never right in the time, right? 18 yeah. months ago when, when the yield curve inverted and I was telling people there's going to be a recession, um, GDP got up to, what, mid threes? Yeah. So, okay. I don't know. We should start forecasting uh, good things. Just to, just to test this idea. Okay. I think the deal is like, if it seems too easy, it probably is. Right. So, you know what we were saying? How, oh, yeah, it's going to just, the S&P is going to fall to 17 because of the 50% <laughs> yeah. <in> that ratio. <laughs> so that didn't really work out because it felt too, it, in yeah. hindsight, it was too easy. But now this whole fall of the Fed strategy that, that, that global markets are doing, that's too easy also. So it works both ways. Yeah, do. All right, guys. Well, uh, best of luck with uh, your trades. So I James. think I think just to put a bow on this, we're saying we're half genius, half moron, and it basically cancels itself out. We're mentally geniuses. We're morons in the world of execution. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Strategy uh, can't can't be can't be assailed. Execution. Some of the worst I've ever seen. <laughs> Called the right play and fumbled the snap. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All, All right, guys. guys. Well, we'll talk next week. All right, later. Yeah, man.